Welcome to Between Alpha and Omega. We have a show for you today. Curtis is on assignment. So it's just Drew and I and the lovely Schaefer. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. I'm doing just fine. Hooray. So yeah, it's going to be kind of a, a, a short show probably with us three. Um, well, I don't know. We'll find out. How, how's uh, the six years of quarantine going for you guys? Any updates, changes, frustrations? Uh, I think I talked this talked about this on the last pod, but um, I am certainly done with the quarantine. I understand why it's still happening, but I'm I'm pretty sick of it. Um, working from home is not fun for me. And it's become a little bit stressful. I've worked, uh, I worked probably about four or five hours yesterday, and I've worked probably around three today. So, um, and this is the weekend, so I don't really want to be doing that, but it's something I have to do. Um, so that's kind of sucky. But Schaefer seems to be really enjoying herself. Oh, yeah, yeah, I am. I come from the opposite perspective because. I really like <clears throat> to be at home and <laughs> I have some extroverted friends who are like, you know, we could totally get together and just stay six feet apart and have our lawn chairs and chat with each other. And I'm like, I'm not ready to come out of my shell yet. <laughs> I like this little shell. <clears throat> so there's that. And I, I do like working from home. I feel like I'm exploring a lot of creative um, creative things like painting and just a few other art projects as well as a project that I do every year, which is called Dress a Day in May, where I wear a different dress every single day and then take a picture of it and post it on social media. Ooh, fancy. And so, yep, this is the fifth year. And um, this year, of course, I'm pregnant. And so that adds another layer of fun to it. So yeah, I'm I'm enjoying myself and have like I don't I'm not ready for it to end. Um I would love to do some like retail shopping, but like retail therapy shopping, but like other than that, you know, and of course, you know, seeing a few friends here or there, but I'm not ready for like full blown like everybody get together all the time. Go go go. Like I'm just kind of enjoying the laid back nature of our lives right now. I'm definitely on your side, Schaefer. I do not want to go back to work working five days a week <laughs> at all. Yeah. Or waking up at 5 a.m. and getting stressed out because of my crazy managers are there. It's so nice to, I don't know, not have that in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was telling someone the other day, like, it feels like an incredible vacation, only I can't do anything. So that's the lame part about it. Yeah. I, I can't go anywhere. Even on my drives with my car, Sally, um, I have a certain range. Like, I don't want to get a gas station in the middle of nowhere or go to a gas station in the middle of nowhere because the, the virus could be there or I could pick it up or I can give the virus out to an unsuspected town of 300 people. So right. I'm having to cut my drives kind of short, drive 150 miles and then 150 miles back so I can make it back to town. Mm. But, yeah, working uh, two days a week, being in the office two days a week with very skeleton staff has been actually kind of nice. The crazy people aren't there and making my life worse. So I, I kind of don't want to go back 
to the way it was. Ugh, yeah. Not looking forward to that. Yeah. And then the, for me, I don't particularly love driving because I used to drive 40 minutes to work and 40 minutes back like Oof. every day. And then at one point I worked um, two part-time jobs and went to school full-time. And so every one of those locations was at least um, 30 minutes away, if not 50 minutes away from each other. So Jeez. I'm, I'm loving not having to drive anywhere. Like it's beautiful to just when I'm done with work, just to step away from the computer and move on to something else. It's like lovely. I, yeah. I am in agreement with you. Not commuting the work is definitely a plus. Uh, even though like commuting to work right now, there's like no traffic. So it's kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah. And there's also no cops out. So that's even way better. <laughs> I'm sure that's lovely for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm able to do very uh, uh, things with Sally. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I have hit triple digits on multiple occasions now. It's fine. Oh my goodness. It's fine. Stay safe, sir. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it is so easy to do that in that car. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Like idling, it, it's like 40 miles per hour now. It's fine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, 1500 rpm and i'm at doing you know 40 50 miles per hour it's crazy it's ridiculous mm. it is ridiculous i love that car so much um so any kind of changes with you guys you're just day in day out same thing yeah we're everything is really the same so far um i've been working more yeah uh which is a symptom of my own issues, but, um, yeah, really just kind of the same stuff. You know, we'd love to go out on walks and stuff like that, but living where we do, it's hard to just stay away from people. Right. Um, especially since, you know, culturally around here, just being outside and walking around or walking to places is just a normality. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just do that. So there's a lot of people out on the street all the time talking to each other. And you can tell around here a lot of people don't take it seriously, which is pretty frustrating. So, Well, people are so desperate for attention right now. Like I was in my uh, driveway talking to my sister, uh, you know, for further apart, like more than six feet apart from each other. And just a neighbor drove down the street and started wanting to have a full-on conversation with us. And we're like, what? Who Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just so desperate for some kind of attention. Yeah, I've been getting on social media. And I was I actually said to Drew, I was like, did the quarantine end? And I just didn't know about it because a lot of my friends or, like, acquaintances that are online are getting together with people. Or maybe they're just old pictures, but I'm just like... I don't know. Well, it seems like maybe not the right decision right now. And yet. apparently Missouri is opening back up. Is it tomorrow or the 5th? Uh, tomorrow, the 4th. Oh, okay. So, um, but St. Louis County has said no. Yeah. That we're not doing that. And city, but, <clears throat> you know, just as Schaefer said, you know, I've been hearing or seeing about a lot of people getting together in small groups um, and spending, you know, 
days on end with each other. And I'm just like, how stupid can you really be (laughs) to ignore the fact that, I mean, there's no, there's no data out there to prove that we've peaked already and that it's the numbers are going down. There's nothing out there that says anything like that. So that we know of, I mean, to think that, yeah, you know, it's okay to start getting together with people now. It's just, just blows my wide. Well, it's not even. I, I feel for the extroverts because yeah. I'm a little bit of an extrovert myself. I'm tired of being at home, um, but I'm not naive or dumb enough to think that this is over and it's okay to just start doing what you're doing again. So, right. It's kind of this weird thing where the government wants to open back up to save our economy, but then all the health professionals and CDC are like, no, don't do that. So we have this constant pull. Like Missouri is opening up, but most major cities are saying, no, we're going to actually follow the CDC and what health professionals are saying. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Even at my work, because I work for a federal government agency, Right now, we're following county guidelines, but we supersede that because we're federal. So the only person that can open us up is the archivist of the United States. Right. So mm-hmm. they've already said that, and he has no intentions of us opening up for the next couple of weeks. So, right. And that's the federal government. If the federal government or a branch of the federal government is like, no, you would think that would hold some clout, but whatever. Yeah. People be people. People people. Just like we mentioned in the last episode, the protesting that has happened, there's crazy stuff going on in Michigan right now with the protesting and showing yeah. up with yeah. gum, guns at the governor's door and stuff like that. Bizarre things are happening. Yeah. Sad. It is incredibly sad that people just, just stop. Just stop, stay home, be safe. Right. <sighs> Common sense. <sighs> and I can't wait. I can't wait because Missouri says that are opening up. How many churches will try to open up immediately? Yeah, yeah. that's true. No, stop it. Um, so, what are some good things that are happening during this quarantine? Any good things that you guys are experiencing? Like I said, just exploring um, some creative endeavors that I have been pushing out because I don't have time to like wrap my mind around them. So, there's that. I'm just. Um, researching other artists that are out there and how they got started and um, trying to, you know, make a side hustle out of some of the things I'm doing. Kind of like an Etsy or Pinterest thing. Yeah. Uh, I like to look on Instagram for the most part, but um, Pinterest is technically like a a search engine. So you can find it, find information on there easily. So um, but yeah, I like to look at artists' Instagram pages and then go back to their beginning stuff and see how they sold their items in the beginning and how their particular signature developed as they continued to hone their craft, basically. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. I'm enjoying it. Good. Drew, how about you? Any good things? I mean, now I can play video games for <laughs> hours on end and not feel guilty about it because I have nothing else I can do. Right. Uh, but I don't know if I would even really call that a good thing. Um, I would not. Yeah, of course you wouldn't. 
Um, I don't know. I just think uh, I would say that this has kind of given me a new motivation to be in the office, which I think is a really good thing mm-hmm. because I have never in my life really just said, I want to be in the office to do my work now. Um, and so hopefully when they reopen our office and I get back in there, I'll be uh, really diligent and excited. So nice. only time will tell, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of nice to feel so burned out and then have a break and be like, okay, I feel revitalized now. I get it. Right. Um, for me, I've, I've done, I've had quite, I'm, I'm an extreme introvert and I get in my head a lot and I've been doing a lot of self-discovery of just me and things that I've lost and things that I want to regain and do. And, uh, it's been fun kind of exploring that avenue and, uh, you know, I'm writing this huge blog and it was going to be something else. And then I've transitioned it into this new thing. And it primarily, and I've mentioned this a couple episodes ago, uh, how 2009 to 2019 was just a terrible decade for me. All these, all these bad things have happened in my life. And looking back on that and reflecting back on that and then my failures, my scripts, the stuff that I did and, and regaining kind of more control over me again, it's been mm-hmm. really fun to really dive into myself again and rediscover the stuff that makes me laugh and what I want to do and to have the time to do that and not be so worried about work or stress or all this other stuff. It's been quite helpful. And then, you know, realizing some things that I need to cut back on, like I I kept telling people uh, when I was in ministry that I just felt like my soul was tired. And I always say, you know, I'm 35 Mm -hmm. years old now. I always say it's not the years, it's the mileage, quoting Indiana Jones. Yeah, and it's because mm-hmm. I put so much miles on my body. I, it, just realizing when I was in my early twenties, I was working part time, going to school part time, being at church like thirty hours, and then on top of that, newly married. Right. And I did that for multitude of years. Even when I went back to college, I was married and getting another degree and working full time and at the church all the time. And I just was burning myself both sides of the candle and having this time to reflect on stuff that happened a decade ago and going, Oh, that is why I feel so old and tired because I was <laughs> not treating myself well for a long time. Yeah. And so I, I talked that up with good things that are happening in my life, just more personal self discovery. And I think that's really healthy to do from time to time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Drew, you mentioned this playing video games with you guys. It's been incredibly fun and just having that community there, it's been really helpful. And we've been uh, talking about a lot of stupid things and it's been amazing. <laughs> As we do. As we do. You want to mention the, the dating app idea? Yeah. So, I mean. We have not talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> we talk I, really, about I just know yes. about the, the name of it. Because uh, uh-huh. I can't remember the details beyond it, but. <laughs> it was no. It was kind of like it was like a Tinder thing, right? Where you, yeah. you get your profile picture, you're swiping left or right, uh-huh. and uh, but you don't really get a chance to say yes if you swipe right. It just says, "Eh, probably," 
when you swipe right. And the app is going to be called, eh, probably. So it's like, it's it's a maybe dating app. Yeah, maybe. You know, I'll just, eh, probably. Okay. Does face have a picture? Well, does have a picture? Yeah. Well, it's just I mean, like, I guess I guess there could be like a profile. I don't think we got that deep into the conversation. We didn't. It was just a kind of a funny thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's more based on the name than anything. Just yeah, eh, probably. <laughs> like the idea of that. Yeah. Okay. This person seems good enough. I guess. <laughs> oh, no. See, I think that's everything that's wrong with society. <laughs> I'm like, no. That's why it's hilarious. That's why it's no. hilarious. Yeah, I guess. And me being the only like single person here and dealing with all the online dating stuff, it's been hilarious for me being 35. And why am I still doing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which brings me, uh, so and this is two stories involved, but I'll tell one and then we'll backtrack and I'll tell the other one. Um, I had to mow my grass yesterday, so I borrowed my parents' lawnmower. And I, of course, had to talk to my parents because, of course, you do. And my parents are crazy. And 99% of the time, I just strictly talked about work because my mom is so incredibly nosy about everything in my life. For example, if there's people parked in the driveway, my mom will ask me about that the next time she sees me. Because <laughs> she lives a house down from me. And I'm like, Mom, I'm 35 years old. Stop it. Stop trying to live your life through me. Like, go out and have friends or something. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things she asked me about, I mentioned something about how my house has gone up in value because of the fire and how it's beautiful now and how much money I would get out of it. And she's like, well, yeah, that would be helpful when you get remarried. Are you even trying? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. I just kind of laughed, and I was like, no, I don't want to right now. They may be diseased. Like, I, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, that's my mother for you. Uh, yeah, The way she said it, too, like, are you even trying? Like, Did she really say it like that? Yeah. Oh. God. Yeah. Uh, she I, knows that that's not helpful, right? No. I, I don't think she knows that she knows that that's not helpful. Hmm. Oh. She wants more grandbabies. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I'm getting older, 35. And, uh, and the second story is about how I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I let my grass get too long and it's been raining. And it took me way longer to mow my grass than it should have. And I'm an idiot and lazy. And I self sabotage myself. And now I can barely walk today. So, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Sorry. It's it's fine. It's uh I, I just have to laugh at myself. Like my foot every time I put weight on my foot now it just hurts. Uh, yeah, so I probably messed up a muscle in there I don't know. For sure. <laughs> Sucks. Life. We're looking forward to moments like that. Right now we don't mow the grass. We live in an apartment and we're thinking about buying a house. Um but we're slow on getting the loan so we'll see eventually we would like to buy a house yeah you guys responsibilities you guys picked an awful time to get pregnant and look for a house <laughs> yeah. yeah 
No, but here's the thing. Before. Maybe we picked the right time to buy a house because property value is not what it was. Yep, and there are a lot of incentives to yeah. buy. My dad's a real estate agent in New Mexico, and he's like, it's not a bad time to buy. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because there are a lot of, like, when they, when a crisis like this happens, they give a lot of financial incentives to, especially people who are first-time home buyers like we both are, so... You might be able to get a higher value house with a lower price tag with a better, um, like deal, basically. So yeah. But you know, my my job is sort of, um, I'm contracted to the end of June, and our numbers are down, so I don't know that they will have the funding to keep me around. So I'm like, kind of like in the boat of like, let's try and get this loan before we can't, um, especially if my income is like non-existent. So after June, which they might be able to keep me on, but there's just a lot of unknowns right now. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. I haven't gone through the housing buying experience. It's not a fun thing. Not We're both afraid of it. We both know it's like important. Although I just ran into a neighbor that told me that there were several babies that were born into the one bedroom apartment. Like we have, we just, no. We're not super pro. Like, I, I'm okay with it, but Drew's like, eh, eh, no. So, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. I, you know how they have like the whole nesting thing that happens. I'm sure that, like, I'm already starting to try and envision what the room might look like, even though it's, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Like, girls in my mind are so much easier than boys. Well, maybe not easier, but like, there's a lot more artwork out there for girls. <laughs> so, right. Uh, Anywho. With boys is blue and trains, right? Blues, a lot of blues, grays, greens, neutral colors, things like that. Um, and ours would be, our, the boy name would be Forest. So we would probably have a lot of trees. We both really like trees. So I would imagine that would be part of it. Yep. Um, so. Cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys can find a house in your price range and the loan stuff goes all perfectly during this crisis. It's been crazy. Absolutely just yeah. crazy. Yeah. I'm not big on change, so. <laughs> <laughs> a little nervous about, we're both like, It'll we be fine. can delay that longer, even though we know we, we can't. It'll so. be fine. It'll, it'll yeah. be fine. Um, even though it's incredibly stressful, having gone through it, um, uh, my debt was crazy high because of all my school loans, but he was able to work it out to have it more on her name than my name because I had so much debt and he kind of just didn't look at that debt. And mm -hmm. so it was focused more on her because she was making more money. And so he kind of made the loan that way. Mm -hmm. um, but we also went the FHA route and we only put 3.5 down on the house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we got the house for under under a hundred grand anyway, which was right wow. around our budget we wanted to be at. Right. That's awesome. So That's a dream for me. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh. So it it can happen that way. The and even going through 
when I had to take her name off the house and assume the loan, it was kind of just an easy process of looking at my credit history, looking at I've been making these payments solo for this amount of time and et cetera. So it was not stressful really at all, assuming the loan. So, Yeah, our, our situation's a little different in that we um, – we tried to get a loan last year, but because neither of us have, we didn't had, have, we didn't have any debt, basically. Yeah. yeah. No, no history whatsoever. Um, they said no, even though I had, I had money in the bank, like didn't matter how much or didn't matter that they looked at my accounts and said, saw that I was a responsible yeah. person. It did like, they were like, Nope, can't work with you. I was like, Oh, yeah. okay. but now we have, good credit history mm -hmm. we less than still have years. no debts yeah so i think that's going to be a big um help to us is you know the lenders will see that we don't have any outstanding debt so we'll be like oh hopefully okay i'm yeah. hoping for that as well yeah yeah we only asked for 150 which we will not please god use all of that <laughs> <laughs> i'm like a really low risk person <laughs> I'm like less than 150 for sure. I'm, I want, I would love to have a hundred thousand dollar house in an ideal area. For sure. With the fenced in backyard, you know, that's, that would be lovely to have like a little office. My ultimate dream would, though would be to have an office that's in a, like a schooly, what do you call it? Like a bus that's like converted in the backyard that I can like drive out to, like different places and sell different things through the, the Drew shaking his head. Like, <laughs> but I've always like really admired tiny houses and whatnot. So I can, because we have too much stuff, we can't do that. And we like with a kid at, it's like, okay, that dream can't happen, but for a business, it potentially Number could. one, we have too much stuff. Number yes. two, we're having a child. Right. Number three, our dog weighs 92 pounds. Exactly. <laughs> so like, it's not happening as far as, the house but as a dream office in the backyard i'll build you a shed a she you're not taking like it anymore though. office shed yeah. i want it to be on wheels no you don't need it to be on wheels <laughs> but it's cool though it's oh. got like lots of win like a school bus like has lots of windows nope. and that's not a thing you need. it's a thing it's not it's a long-term dream just saying it, I'll sounds, put it, out there. it sounds more like uh after retirement kind of Maybe. a thing I don't know. Like when you're empty nesters and you have nothing else to do. Yeah. yeah. I guess for me, like before Drew and I got together, that was sort of like my next venture was to save enough money to get one of those like tiny houses so that I could like own something and then start saving for a house. But so I guess that dream sort of needs to subside now that this like and enjoy where I'm at right now. I don't know. Yeah, but like maybe as a retirement thing, that could be a, a good thing for us, for me. <laughs> for sure. I see it as a retirement thing. I mean, yeah. you know, let your dreams be dreams or don't let your dreams be dreams. Yeah. Um, for now. It can be, yeah, no, it can be an aspiration for now that I can sort of keep working on in the back of my mind. Absolutely. And dreams transition and change. You never know. Exactly. Like, not that it needs to like die or like go away. 
It just needs to um, put on hold or pause or just appreciate what's happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I had a dream that would be a rock star. That didn't work out so well. <laughs> um, which kind of leads into our main topic of uh, stuff happens. Hey, yeah. we're in COVID-19 and it feels like it's been six years of uh, the quarantine. Uh, we are recording this episode May 3rd, so we've been officially in quarantine for close to two months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Mid-March is when the quarantine happens, so almost two full months. Uh, yeah. Stuff has definitely happened, and that's kind of where we're going to focus on today's topic of just when stuff hits the fan. We're going to talk about good stuff as well, and that'll all be depressing and whatnot. And it kind of yeah. revolves around... Uh, this blog I'm writing where a whole bunch of stuff just hit the fan in the span of 10 years, really Mm -hmm. some hard setbacks. But also, like I mentioned, uh, I've been doing a lot of self discovery lately. And one of the things that I've realized is the reason why I've gotten out of these bad situations, because the way people loved me and the way people surrounded me and, you know, those amazing things that happened. That's kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, so what are some things in your guys' lives, even uh, pre-marriage and then current marriage, uh, of just stuff just hitting the fan? Do you have any stories like that? <sighs> Where to start? Uh, I mean, my parents were not well-suited for each other. They both had affairs in order to be with each other. So my mother was married and my dad was with somebody for 10 years. Um. And then they were like, my mom had a kid and she brought like the kid into the relationship and blah, blah, blah. So like they, they were not well suited for each other, but they stayed together for a long time. And then, uh, you know, my dad left a couple years ago, um, just sort of suddenly. And there's like a long story with that one, but um, yeah, it was, it was sort of interesting to see how different people reacted and how we handled it as a family. And I would say like watching my mother um, deal with that stuff was like really incredible because like, I literally, I literally stayed in bed for a week. Like I was going into, I don't know, it was finals or midterms or something, but I think maybe it was midterms Um, and my, like I called up my teachers or I emailed them and I was like, I can't, there's like a situation that's happening and I I have to like not be there. And they said, okay. So I was thankful that the teachers themselves were like willing to work with me. And then um, just like watching my mom, like take a day off and then go right back into working. Um, Watch my sister as she coped with it. Like, and I just laid in bed <laughs> for like a week. Wow. Um, so like, that's one thing that's happened in my life. And um, I was engaged before Drew and that fell through. And I definitely hit a pretty hard wall of depression from that issue. Um, it took a couple years away from the whole dating scene to, to like really heal my, my spirit, my heart, because I didn't like, 
I didn't want to bring that into like the next relationship. If I had one, I wanted to make sure that I was a stable person before going into the next one. So like, yeah, I've had some stuff hit the fan in my life. (laughs) Those are just two like things that have happened within the last uh, five years, 10 years, no, five five to seven years ish. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Painful, but got through it and in a loving relationship and the church really supported us for the most part through it. Um, Of course, no one exactly knows how to handle grief properly, but um, people were like, I specifically remember when my dad left, there was a family who never asked us if we needed anything. They literally went to the grocery store and bought an entire week's worth of groceries and came to the house and cooked it for us there. That's and incredible. it was just like incredible to see her kind of like stepping in for our family. So that was, that's me. Drew, anything? Uh, nothing comparable to what shaver has been through. I mean, I have like minor nonsense that uh, you could say, you know, was a shit hit the fan moment. I mean, most of my issues that ever happened in my life aren't like emotionally uh, draining or anything like that. It's, it's always got to do something with the car that I own. Something <laughs> breaks and then it, I can't do anything. <laughs> that's a thing though. Uh, and that's always caused the most stress in my life overall. I mean, I lived with you when I had my Mustang. That thing broke down constantly. (laughs) Um, And the only car that I've never had any issues with is the car that I gave to Schaefer. And that's why she drives it, because it's the most reliable thing (laughs) that I've ever owned. So, It's very thoughtful of you to, like, give up your, like, especially hearing that perspective from you saying, like, that's been an issue for you, having things, like, fall apart. And you gave me the thing that was like the most secure to you. Like that's very, very loving and lovely and a pretty good picture of uh, Christ-like behavior. So I appreciate that a lot. But other than that, I mean, we've got plenty of family dynamics that are stupid and people betray one one another and whatever, but I just don't, uh, I don't put a whole lot of, stake in it you know because it's just like it is what it is what it is like i let a lot of stuff bother me about people's actions uh but eventually i'm just like whatever it's not a big deal um yeah that's really i can't think of anything that's fair it's crazy that's fair that's good also like that's yeah, yeah, it's a good thing that that stuff hasn't happened to you, um, especially to be a support to someone who has gone through something like crazy to be a pillar for them. It's kind of amazing, too. Um, as I mentioned, my life has been a train wreck after a train wreck since 2009. Uh, it's been fascinating to watch. A lot of times I feel like Paul, when he's talking about being shipwrecked all the time and then bitten mm-hmm. by the snake and then flogged in jail like it, i have a series of events that are kind of like that only not getting shipwrecked and flogged and they're in jail um 
wow, where do I even start? So 2009 was the f- the kind of the peak of the financial crisis that happened because of the housing bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time, I was working for a church. I was a pastor at a church for the young adult ministry. And when people start losing their jobs, they're not tithing anymore to the church because they're more worried about putting food on the table than their tithe. And I totally support that. But mm-hmm. what happens is we start the church starts bleeding into the red and they're no longer going to pay their staff. That's mm-hmm. pretty much what happened to me. Uh, just a circumstance out of the blue. Uh, they told me that I would resign. Or I would have to either resign or be a volunteer. And we were freshly married. We got married in 2007. And so this is two years after us getting married and being self-supporting. And I had just graduated college in 2008. She was actually still in college. And I had nothing because I had put all my eggs in one basket going to college for this religion degree that meant nothing to the private world other than church because that was the thing I wanted to do. I wanted to become a minister and be in the church and grow in that. And then it just, in a blink of an eye, all fell apart. Um, we end up moving to Dallas for about six or seven months, tr- me trying to find a job. I couldn't find a job. I ended up doing this weird job called Games to You, and I drove around in a van full of video games and played with children, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I was getting, like, being paid $10 an hour to, like, play video games with kids. It was cool. Uh, and then we moved back from Dallas to St. Louis. I ended up going back to school to get my old government job back, which had a student criteria to it. And then um, that was in 2010. Sometime in 2011, we bought the house because I was in a good job situation working at the government, and she was working at the government, so we were kind of fine. And then in June of 2012, she left me. I missed a major promotion, and I was kind of stuck, so I had to go back to school again to get a third degree working at the government. Uh, And then a couple years later, the house burns completely down or the house didn't burn down but i lost all of my material possessions in 2018 so it's been like a lot of heavy traumatic events that have happened in my life and it's been i don't know kind of weird and kind of fun at the same time of of dealing with all these events that i've really have failed at sometimes it's been circumstances i've I've messed up too during this whole time period. I've ruined a friendship that was very dear to me. I was dating someone that wasn't, shouldn't have been. And just realizing the reason why I come back each and every time and be healthy again is the people that surround me and love on me. Um, and, and where I'm at in my spiritual life, of, I still want to be a minister. There's definitely still that calling in my life, but I don't think I'll ever work for a church ever again. Yeah. So, I understand that. So what does that look like? Is it this podcast? Is it building that brand? Is it starting my own church? Is it Where is that going? And that wouldn't have happened if all those previous events didn't happen, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like I see all this bad stuff happening to me, but it's put me in a place where I have this different perspective uh, I feel healthier now than I have in a long time. I'm finding myself again um, and the dumb stuff that I want to do. And it's been kind of an amazing journey. 
And even though all this bad stuff has happened to me, it, it's I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't give it back. I wouldn't give it up. Um, because I've learned so much and I've met so many different people because of those things. Hmm. Yeah. And the Bible talks about, you know, when bad stuff happens and how it builds our faith and how it just makes us stronger and is part of like a refining thing. And I just, I don't know. I just have a different perspective on things now and being incredibly blessed by the people that surround me and, want to do this silly podcast with me. It's been, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I applaud you for just getting started with it. Like half of my battle has always been like, Oh, I could do that. And then I don't take action on it. So I really appreciate you just like saying, I'm going to do this and like taking action. So good for you. Thank you. Yeah. It's about just doing it. Um, yeah. Why, why, if you have an idea, just just do it. Like even if it fails, like hey, you had fun doing it. As long as it's fun, do it. Um, yeah. And there's some other stuff that I want to do. I just bought a GoPro, so I may be doing stuff with my car. I may just start developing stupid videos because when Caleb came on to the podcast a few episodes ago, that was something that I wanted to do with him. But with this quarantine thing, I can't. But I might as well do something stupid anyway. Why not? Yeah, yeah. for uh, sure. So, um, when these bad things happen, how, how should we respond? What is, what is the lesson, I guess? I think what I would say about that is, um, staying grounded in like a, a panic situation or something and, um, trying to learn from it the best you can. Uh, because something that we all know is that God's never going to give us more than we can handle with him. And it's, I think something that people tend to forget is that, or like people make the unfortunate mistake of only turning to God when things get really bad. Um, but it can be a good reminder of, you know, why relying on him is really the most important thing um, and that we can't do all this kind of stuff on our own. Um, yeah. And, but I just think in general, like on a personal level, staying grounded and being sane and dealing with it the best you can. Um, and also in that, when you deal with your problems, I think it's important to remember the other the people that are around you because there's a lot of people around there around you who are going to try and help you um and you don't want to do something that's going to affect them negatively during your hard times either so right i think for me it would be um that your emotions need to be gone through like you can't just ignore them and shove them down and um, expect for them to never be like never pop up again so like if you don't deal with the situation if you don't feel that emotion when you need to and not not to let it like take over your entire life entire world but like basically don't suppress the 
the issues that you have. And I, I come from a camp that's like, I don't mind being openly angry with God and that like with him and I can, I can say like, I'm mad at you right now. Like I'm, I'm frustrated with the situation. I don't trust you like in this right now, you know, help me to trust you. I think that it's really important to have those open dialogues with God because it's not like, it's not like we can go hide our emotions under a rock. Like God knows exactly how you feel and he knows what you're thinking. And so if you're you're like lying to yourself and lying to God about it, I don't think that's healthy. So, um, but also like, you know, the other side of that coin is to say like, I don't trust you right now, but like, I want to help my heart. Um, like hope, hoping in the, the love and like coming back to the fact that Christ went through all those, like he lived a life. So he understands the grief, the issues he sees uh, people who are suffering and it's not his, it's not something that he takes joy in. And so just knowing the heart of God and um, how he wants to bring about good in our lives, like that's his heart, like seeking after his heart is, is really important too. And I know Drew said that um, God can't give you, God won't give you something that he, you, you can't handle, but I think kind of the opposite way and that um, you won't be able to handle everything that God has given you. And that's why we'll have to turn to him. Like I said with him, you know what I'm saying though, though, like, it's like, we can't, because we can't handle everything that's happening in our lives. We have to turn to him to help to like, give it over to him and say like, okay, this is in your hands now. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times where it's like, I did everything I, cause I worked for a church too. And like, I did everything possible that with it was within my power to do to help this particular situation that came up. And um, maybe it was like the night before somebody would like call off or something would happen. And like, eventually I learned to say, God, I don't know how I'm really interested to see how you're going to handle this. And just sort of like after doing everything I could do, like, saying, I'm really interested to see how you're going to handle this. I know you can. I'm going to trust that you, you will take care of it. And then just somebody would pop into the nursery and they'd be like, hey, I, I don't think I'm on the schedule today, but do you need extra help? It's like over and over and over again, God would just take care of the situation, especially when I was like to the point where I was like, okay, I can let go. Like I can let go of this and let God take care of it. For sure. <clears throat> yeah, I'm in that camp as well. Like, if you're going through something, you just be honest with God. It's okay to say, this sucks. It's okay yeah. to say, God, this really sucks. Why? What? Uh, I, uh, you know, and have those conversations with God. Like, it's necessary, I think, in a lot of ways. And there's this whole movement within Christianity that you can only be positive and you train your brain to be more positive. And I, I think you're just missing a whole other side of life that not everything is good. Yeah. Things suck. 
and it's okay to live in that moment. It's okay to look at your emotions and to dive into your emotions and to be honest with God about it. Like you look at the disciples lives, name one of them where they had a happily ever after. Right. Right. John, maybe, but he was deserted on an island. Like that's not a very happily ever after. Like mm-hmm. being, it, it just boggles my mind that there's this whole wave of, you have to be overly optimistic if you're a Christian. And it, it's not the truth. Like read the Psalms. David right. is constantly in despair and hurting and being honest with God about what is going on in his life. And there is a moment where you have to go, okay, I need to bring myself out of the pit. I, right. need, to, I need to get out of it, but it's also okay to be, I want to be in the pit and I need to talk about it and I need to figure out how to then climb out of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's the part that at least a lot of the people that I know that struggle with being in the pit is that they just, they refuse to climb out. Yeah. It's like you're hurting yourself. You're not helping yourself. Uh, What are you going to do? Like to get yourself out of this? For sure. You know, a lot of people just decide not to do anything. Absolutely. I think that's why it comes back to what you were saying, Tim, about community and like surrounding yourself with, with people who care about you and who want to see you succeed and will help you just like my friends did when my dad left Um, suddenly, you know, it's just like that type of community is the hands and feet of God. And so if you establish that before you have a crisis and you, you are the hands and feet, to other people, it will be, you know, hopefully reciprocated. And even when people let you down, you know, ho- hopefully that's when you turn to God and he will work with you. So for sure. I think people forget that God sends people like that's how God moves is through people. Right. And I think a lot of people don't realize that like, no, someone could just be sent in your life for a season to help you get out of that pit. And that's it. Right. And and it's been like that for me in my life. Um, one of the reasons why I'm so angry about the church and my experience with the church is when, well, I got I had to resign. No one reached out f- to me. There was no, hey, can we provide dinner for you? Or, hey, what about this? What about this? It was just, bye. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then when I got divorced, it was the same thing. Like, no one came to my aid. I was the man. Uh, who cares about the man? And it really bothered me. Like, he, I, I'm volunteering for this church. I'm, you know, a, a group leader. I'm not real well known, but no one no one reached out to me after my divorce. And it wasn't until a certain people started injecting themselves in my life and going, you know, I, I knew you before the divorce and I saw all the amazing things that you did. Please come back, that I was able to come back and I met someone that was amazing, that we became kind of family. And that was the only reason why I came back to that church is because of the love that people gave me. Yeah. Um, and even now, like having left last summer and some stuff went down and hopefully some of that's getting resolved. Um, now I have this whole other community that is supporting me and wanting me to do other things. So it's been, 
amazing to see how when things hit the fan, God still shows up and he uses his people to support other people as well. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think that's something that you should forget too, is that, that you went through that and now you can go and help other people who are going through the same thing. Like that creates empathy. Mm -hmm. So like anytime anything bad happens, it creates the empathy that you can go and be the person that you needed in that, in that moment. For sure. Um, yeah, it, it's surreal sometimes of who God will put in my life and be like, oh, yeah, I have an example because I've been through something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just been crazy. Um, it's countless times people have come to me with something because I've gone through something. Not that I'm almighty, but still, that's all God's moving. I can use you. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um. Has there, this is kind of still on the bad stuff. Uh, has there been ever a time where you self-sabotaged yourself? It could be funny. It could be sad and uh, hurtful, but when you actually did it to yourself. Self-sabotage. I mean, I'm kind of, I kind of did it this last month with working at home, getting so distracted by so many things instead of staying diligent and working, you know, a full eight hours a day and now I'm paying for it and I'm stressed out and I don't know how to, I don't even know how to stay focused to get my stuff done. I know I'm going to do it. Um, it's just, I'm like overworked right now. Um, and it's not entirely my fault, but I definitely contributed to the issues that I'm having right now. So, yeah. I do that quite a bit. I'm a procrastinator as well. So I'll wait until the last minute and then be so stressed out that why did I wait so long to do that? Yeah. I do it every time I headed this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I've definitely done it in like interview situations to where if I kind of get into the situation where I'm like learning about what the job entails, I will... Um, occasionally self-sabotage the interview, not in a bad way, but like kind of steer them and say like, this is not a good fit. Like you should find somebody with this qualification basically. And it, and like making it clear that I am not qualified for the job basically. And so like in a way that's self-sabotage, but in a way it's like self-protection too. And that I know, Please don't. I have a hard time saying no to people sometimes. And so if you offer me the job, I'll be like, I would potentially say yes. And so I will self-sabotage in an interview if I don't think, if I don't think I want to say yes, basically. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. It's been good. I mean, I'm, I've, doing that for myself (laughs) okay i'm happy about that decision when i leave the interview i'm like yep nope (laughs) that's kind of funny uh (laughs) i usually self-sabotage myself with just being lazy and procrastinating on doing something and i make it way harder than it should be Mm -hmm. like this podcast isn't very difficult to edit 
but when I wait until the zero hour to edit the podcast, then it becomes a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mowing the grass, you know, I mentioned that earlier. I'm just procrastinate on doing it, and then it rains, and then the grass is three feet tall, and I'm like, cool. Um, a lot of times I just get so full of myself or prideful and then I end up screwing something up relationship wise or sometimes when I'm dating I'll self-sabotage my dating relationship because I really don't feel like it's a good fit Um, so then I just kind of sabotage it in a way yeah I still have a lot of growing up to do I've done that where it's like, mm, no, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, this is not going to work out. I typically try to be like when I, not typically like as though it's happening now, but like I was when I was dating, I would be pretty straightforward with the dude if I was not, if I didn't see a future there, just because I feel like clarity is really important mm-hmm. and talking about like not letting things drag on for longer because especially because of the relationship that I was in where it like lasted for three years and um you know I didn't I basically didn't want to relive that especially if I knew from an early start I would have like a criteria for what I I needed in a person and if they didn't match my needs or if I felt like I couldn't contribute to their happiness or success I was like nope for sure because I cared about them because yeah. I was like no I don't want to I don't want this to continue when it shouldn't continue yeah I let a dating situation go way longer than it should have um and this was in 2018 when stuff was hitting the fan left and right and I was dating this girl who was very um submissive mm. and, and really I, I, I'm gonna. This is gonna sound braggadocious, but really kind of into me. Mm-hmm. So whatever I wanted to do, I got to do. Whatever I wanted to say, I got to say. Like it was not good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not that anything happened in that relationship, or I didn't do anything incredibly stupid. But it was just like I, I felt that like I could get away with murder with this chick, and that just mm-hmm. feels wrong yeah. to me. Like I, I need someone to kind of be in my face a little bit because <laughs> I am very stubborn so you gotta call me out and this girl wasn't doing that at all and I'm like oh my gosh I could really do bad things and that isn't good <laughs> at all yeah at all that's not healthy and I was in a weird place in my life and I was just like you know I, I need to hit the eject button on this poor girl <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Dating. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. She was also like eight years younger than me. Oh, yep. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was in my early 30s and she was like in her mid 20s. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think the age difference has to make, it has to be a big issue, but it can. Right. At maturity levels. So sometimes people's age but their maturity level is lower and some people's age is lower, but the maturity level is higher. And so you kind of meet each other in the middle. So like the number shouldn't be important, but the maturity level should be similar. I think for sure. When, 
dating? Well, and I have this weird problem where I was married. And so when I'm dating someone who's in their early 20s, they have, like, no dating experience. I'm like, you're basically playing this on hard mode. Like, do you realize that? Like, (laughs) do do you realize what you're really getting in with me? Because it's like, I've already been married. I've already done all of this. Like, do you really want to go through that? Like, yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially with, like, the whole remarried thing. Like, I don't really want to have a big wedding. I don't really care, but... Yeah, that's not good for your potential husband to be like, I don't care about any of this. Yeah. But. And you might find somebody who mutually, like, they don't care either. Yeah. We didn't. We, we really didn't. Uh, his parents mostly paid for the wedding because, like, my dad was uh, not financially stable at the time. He also had left. doesn't know that it's his responsibility. Yeah, he's not... <laughs> super aware that that's like a, a cultural norm um, for the the man to the daughter's um, father. father to pay for the wedding so his parents came in and they were saying like we've saved up money and we would like to give you a certain amount of money we want to make sure that your dreams of a wedding come true and I was kind of like I never had dreams of a wedding like I started to think about it when I, um, well, you know, I was engaged before, but I never, I, I wasn't one of those people that had like a, a wedding book. I did collect wedding magazines for the dresses, but that's just because I love fashion. Okay. Because it was like the wedding itself. Like I just, I wanted a certain thing. And I actually, in the previous relationship, this is something redemptive that happened and I recognize that as a, a redemptive moment. Like I was going to be wearing his mom's wedding dress in the wedding and I had it and for a long time, even after we broke up and then had to give it back. And it was such a weird, awkward situation, but I was looking through wedding dresses with Drew when we were um, looking at wedding dresses and he kind of looked at the, cause I was going to buy it online. He's like, oh, that style is very similar to the one that my mom has. You should ask her about it. And I was like, really? And so, like, when we got it, when I, when I saw it, we went over the day of, because it was at his grandparents' house. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is, like, my ideal wedding dress. And so I got to have the chance to wear the mother's wedding dress and again. And um, I think there's, like, so much beauty in that redemptive moment for me. I just think that is so God um, working and saying like, I'm still here for you and I want to redeem the situation. That is really cool. It was, yeah, it was really a beautiful moment for me to, to like say, like to re, re, um, not recommit to my life, but like to say, Oh, like you are really a good God. You are good. For sure. To come back to praising him in a better way. For sure. Uh, My wedding was like 250 people. It was a zoo. There was tons of people there. That was crazy. That's about what we had. (laughs) Yeah, we did it for super cheap because... uh, her family couldn't really afford anything, so it was kind of my family doing a bit. 
and uh, yeah, we called in favors. We didn't have to pay for the church or the minister or any of the food or any of that. The only thing we had to pay for was like the uh, when we did the dancing. I forget what you called it. The reception was the only thing we really had to pay for in her dress. Hmm. Yeah, we did it for super cheap. Yeah, ours was somewhere between five and seven thousand for about that many people. And our church actually was the limit. I had nine bridesmaids and nine nine groomsmen. So because because I love them, a and part of it also will had to do with the number of seats in the church. Like there just wasn't enough seats. That's something that Drew and I debated a lot about was the number of people in the wedding. That was our biggest debate because <laughs> Drew wanted like a small wedding with lots of gifts. And I was like, um, it doesn't really work that way. You either have to have <laughs> a lot of people for a lot of gifts or you have to have less people and less gifts. Like that's the ratio. And so we compromised and had the max number, probably more than the max number of people for the church. And then um, the reception was at like a Alliance club in okay. my hometown, which it all, it all panned out, but we're, I wouldn't change the day at all. Like, Good. but if I were to do it, like if I were to do it again, again, like have a second reception or second wedding, I think I would probably just do um, close friends and, and family. Um, For sure. We'll see. We, yeah, like I would think of like, I'm thinking of like a 10 year renewal vows or, you know, 25 year renewal vows or something like that more than I'm, like getting remarried because I never want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. You're thinking in, you're in that realm where you, you potentially have to do that again. That's hard. Eh, you know, it's one of, I, I, I'm not seeing anyone. It's not even on the table right now. So what's the use of thinking about it? You know, maybe if I find someone and it gets that far, then we'll figure it out then. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I don't know, weird. I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not even really dating right now. Especially when uh, you could kill someone. So no no thanks. Um, so uh, transitioning away from the bad things, and we kind of were touching on this with the whole you guys getting married thing. Uh, what are some amazing things that have happened in your life? Let's bring it back to the positive. Amazing things? Yeah, just That's good like, good things. Good things. Mm. Uh, yeah, just a, a lot of redemptive things have happened. I'm, st- I'm talking to my dad again, um, and he's in a healthy happy relationship now my mom's running a business on her own and just working on that she still you know goes through goes through depression and like misses being in relationship with someone but um she's doing all right she's still supporting herself yeah my my life's turned out way different than than I expected. Like I said, I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm just going to like live this life alone and have my little tiny house and maybe a little business on the side and live small. And God has 
brought me to a place where you know, I'm married with a kid on the way and a dog and an apartment ready to be um, moved into an actual house to where we would have enough stuff to fill it um, and make it a home, basically. So God has gone beyond my expectations of what I thought I would give and get in this life. And I'm very grateful for a Christ-like husband uh, who is flawed and um, married somebody who has a lot of big T trauma and is understanding and Christ-like through so much of it. So I'm just really grateful for the life that God has given me. Awesome. That's sweet to hear. Drew, any comments? Yeah, I mean, I can uh, agree with everything she said about us. Um, I'm just grateful to have, like, a really good, supportive family. Um, our families, Shaver and I's families, are very different. Uh, it's not to say that they're not supportive, but um, there's a lot of kind of craziness that goes on there that it's just not a thing in my family. My family is just a lot more stable in a lot of ways. And, uh, it's nice to have that, like now seeing how unstable <laughs> some families can be. I'm really glad mine's not on the same level. And I mean, I got a new job this year. I'm really grateful that, um, I am able to have this job. It's not easy, but it's, a lot better than what I where I was at before. It's miles ahead of where I was before. So for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um what's funny, and I'm gonna bring us down for a moment. Uh Schaefer, you were talking about how you thought your life would be one way and it turned out way better than you expected. I have the inverse of that. <laughs> it's funny and having told that story like I, I thought I'd be a pastor and be married and have, live the American dream and I was doing that in my early 20s and to look back a decade later and go none of what I had planned has worked out has gone to plan it's all been just upheaval train wrecks whatever and I could be really sad and live in that pit and then I just realized all of the people that I've met, all the people that I have encountered, all of the people that have come to me or I've able to influence or God has worked through me, it's been just an incredible ride in itself. And it's like, uh, if I can look at Paul and have a correlation there where I'm thinking, this seems really familiar, familiar and it's Paul, that's kind of remarkable that God would kind of do that for me. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm Paul and I'm not even comparing myself to him and the greatness that he is, but it's kind of similar. And mm -hmm. it, it, it just makes me wonder if I, if I could figure out my own crap, what then can God do with me? Am I called to be like that? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's fascinating to have be in the season of life where God is so moving in my life and, his hand has always been a part of my life and every trauma that I've ever had, God has been there and showed up and done amazing things. And even, even starting the show has been incredible. I would have never have done this if I was working in ministry all the time or thinking about the things that I'm thinking about if I was still at a church and being a volunteer there. And it's been 
it's been wild. And I, I it, it, it's funny to think that I had in my early 20s a plan set out and that plan has been blown up. Now I'm in my mid-30s going, okay, God, what's next? What, what can I get up to? What is the next thing? How how am I going to be blessed because of these things? And and just realizing that. And it's kind of fun. Like uh, the house, even though I lost all my material possessions, it, the house is incredible. It's beautiful. I have an amazing car that I love them dumping money into. It, and my job is, is stable and I'm getting paid and I'm not doing anything. And so there's a lot of things to be thankful for and to be like, yeah, my plan blew up, but that obviously wasn't God's plan for me. So now it's getting on that train of going, what does God have really planned for me? And what's next? And what, who is going to come in my life now? Now that this transition has happened, what's going to happen? And it's kind of like living on the seat of your pants going, oh, okay, uh, I do have goals. I do have plans that I want to do. But at the same time, I'm kind of relying on God to show me, all right, where can I fall in? What's next? Yeah. And so it's been, you know, amazing at the same time. It's been awful and that kind of duality there. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm excited. What, what, what's next for me? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's been crazy. And who knows after this quarantine is over, I start my own church. I, I don't know. <laughs> who knows uh, if people really want to listen to me or not <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. and this is why I started this podcast and this is again going to sound very braggadocious of me as I kept having conversations with people that want nothing to do with the church but keep saying yeah I'd listen to you though I'd be a part of your thing I don't right. want to go back to church but I'd be a part of your thing if you're doing it and there's a lot of humbleness there of going, God, why would you trust me with that? Yeah. Crazy. Even the people that listen to this podcast, um, a lot of the audience wants nothing to do with the church or Christianity, but they listen to the show. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at in life and the quarantine and the good things that are happening in my life is kind of just based around this whole podcast and brand that I'm slowly developing and certain things have been put on pause and you know, we'll see what happens. Right. Um, I guess that's all I have for this show. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Do you have any other final thoughts? I got nothing. nothing. It's all been said. I agree. I think, uh, you know, missing a, a host and not having some of the more crazier people in our life on the show, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> all right. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, we're going to continue to record the show. And if it's just us three or just Drew and I, uh, the show will still happen. It's good for us to talk about these things. Yeah. So, uh, I will be writing a blog here soon. Hopefully it may be up before this episode drops. It may not be. Uh, so look out for that on betweenalphaomega.com. Make sure you give us a review on your favorite podcast listening device. That'd be helpful. 
If you want to email the show, you can go to the website and hit the contact form and it direct emails to our email address and we'll read your content on the show because well, why not? Tell your tell us your quarantine story and how you're handling it. Uh, I love you. I uh, hope everything is well with you. I hope you're healthy. Stay loving. Sure. <laughs> Stay loving. We'll go with that. Yeah. We'll go with that. I'm going to leave it. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.